My name's Richard. And I am Brad Talton. And this is We're Not Wizards. This is a repeat offenders edition, which means what happens is we get our previous guest that's been on the show and we invite them back on. Because either um, I've asked them constantly for about three months via email or I've bribed them with something. And in this well, case, in our case, uh, I believe it's the uh, it's the first one. We, we went back and forth, and um, and just due to time zone differences, uh, I think missed our previous uh, appointment. Yeah. So, uh, so it's good that I'm finally here with you again. I, I think it's yeah. I'm looking forward. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to catching up because we last spoke in January, and uh, you have been um, very very busy indeed. For people who aren't aware, um, who Brad is. Um, he uh he he basically is a is one of the main players owners runners of level 99 games and if you don't know who level 99 games are just turn off the podcast <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go visit the website yeah, go visit yeah, okay, 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 go do that pixel pixel tactics pixel yeah, tactics battlecon yes. argent the consortium yes. millennium blades yes. we got a few games that you may have heard of just a couple uh, i hope so anyway just a couple but how are you doing though because it has been like six months so how how has things been on your side it of has. the pond i've been doing very well i've been uh you know working on projects um mm. you know we've done a lot of work here in the office we shipped out millennium blades the mm-hmm. second edition we've printed a third edition we have um we ran a um Actually, I think our our, uh, our main thing, we ran a Kickstarter for Exceed Season 2. Yeah. That'll be coming out later on this year. Um, Exceed being our fighting card game. And then we're about to ship Battlecon Trials, our uh, first fighting card game. Um, that is going to happen at the end of this month in August. So um, so quite a bit going on. But uh, for me personally, uh, just doing a lot of traveling, you know, going up to, went up yeah. to Colorado, did some hiking, went over to Taos, did some hiking, went over to Durango, saw the cliff dwellings and the pueblos there. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of cool national parks in this part of, the, of America. So uh, we get to travel around a lot and uh, see a lot of nature. And I really enjoy that. Do you do that on a regular basis? Are you at the point where mm-hmm. you can take regular breaks then? You, you can, yeah, yeah. We try yeah. and uh, we try and get out for you know just a weekend, a weekend getaway about oh, yeah. every month or two. Good. Well, you need the break as well because you can't be work, work, work all the time, especially if you're yeah. putting out so much, um, so many games that you are. Otherwise, well, there are a lot of kinds of work out, you know? too. Yeah. Sometimes I I take a break and I do a getaway and I work on the stuff that I can't work on in the office because I'm too preoccupied with logistics and marketing and stuff and I really want to do creative work. Um, so I take a, an artist retreat and uh, and I go do my creative work and that's always a lot of fun too. So in these breaks, have these inspired you for kind of other kind of games that are going to be coming up? Have you had a couple of uh, inspirational sunsets that have? made you think oh i could do that i'd say so yeah i've yeah? got some good ideas come for for games coming up uh uh-huh. seventh cross my adventure board game is kind of all-consuming right now and it's the only game that i'm actively working on um but we're at version 25 i feel like we're very close to the final product for that game so for people that haven't heard of seventh cross it's um it's castlevania ish isn't it i think anyone that looks at it We'd go, ooh, Castlevania, but it's, yeah. it's it's kind of going to be. Um, but what's it, what's it, what's the game kind of going to be like? Is it a so, card game or? It is a fully cooperative adventure board game with miniatures 
Um, it's story driven, so it's kind of like um, let's say you were playing like uh, I don't know a game like uh, like Descent or like um, you know um, sorry, like the Castle Ravenloft, the D and D games, yeah, um, those sort of things. Your but... dungeon sagas are this world and things like that. Anything that yeah. involves a campaign. All right, okay. But the scale is a little bit bigger, so your characters, you know, run from room to room. You only have to deal with like the big boss in each wing of the castle. So you go, you're you're in this area of the castle. There is a giant boss there. You go over and you defeat them, and then you can explore the the area of the castle that you're in. Um, every few turns of the game you you encounter paragraph adventures so um this is kind of a paragraph adventure slash uh miniature combat hybrid game okay um so for those doing a paragraph adventure uh games like arabian nights or um arkham horror or um arkham horror is a very minor one like mice and mystics has a little bit of it um yeah dead of winter has a little bit of it but really these are games where you you break the action and you go to the book and you read like effectively a cutscene. yeah um and in every cutscene in seventh cross there's some kind of choice you can make you can choose to go the light path or the dark path or to help people or to you know take their stuff for yourself so that you have advantages against the bosses coming up mm-hmm. um you know, different choices that you can make. And the choices that you make as a player um, will determine the, or will help to determine the way that the team acts as a whole yeah. and what ending that you get in the castle. Yeah, but also, okay. um, they help to determine what your abilities are. So if you make good choices or if you, it's like there's sort of a voting aspect and if you vote, you know, thumbs up, like let's go the light path, then your character gets more light abilities. Um, if you vote like, no, let's go the dark path, your character will get more dark abilities, which are more combat focused. So there's reasons to make every kind of choice. Like maybe you want a certain ability. Maybe you want to see where the story goes. Maybe you have an affection for this NPC because you've seen them over multiple castles. The same characters keep returning and they keep remembering what you did to them last time. (laughs) Oh, right. Um, Okay. And that takes them down different. They have their own story paths that they're going down that you are guiding them through. Um, so all that stuff factors into the way that you make decisions and based on the decisions you make and how effectively you're able to tackle the bosses in the castle and complete the plot, you get some ending to the game. Um, so it's kind of campaign focused and yeah. the, like, the characters that you play kind of evolve over time. I'm getting um, a, I'm getting a choose yeah. your own adventure type it's, vibe. Yeah. It's kind of a Steve Jackson, Ian Livingston. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Because the, you mentioned Mice and Mystics, but one of the things about Mice and Mystics was it was, while it had kind of like flavor text and you were able, because my kids, I play Mice and Mystics on a regular basis because my kids love it. Um, I started my four-year-old playing it because he loves to listen to the story. It's still a little bit of a linear adventure. So mm-hmm. when you play it maybe the second or third time, you maybe ignore the kind of the flavor text because it doesn't really have much of an effect on the overall gameplay you could leave it from one side you can add in little bits but it maybe it maybe has little additional gameplay elements that it adds in but the main story you can you can kind of put to one side but that sounds kind of that sounds kind of interesting to me what you're doing it's pretty neat yeah the idea being that the the castles will the choices that you make from game to game matter Mm. if you treat an npc this certain way um or if your character takes the high road or the low road um 
those things will be remembered by the game state, and then uh, when you go back the next time, if your character keeps going down this dark path, they might leave the party or defect or turn evil, or you might get new allies that join you if you complete their storylines in certain ways. So, so are you do you play as a character and then you have like a party alongside you? Or mm-hmm. how does yeah, okay. Yeah. So one to one to four players cooperatively are okay. working together. We're gonna see about getting it up to a five player yeah. uh, adventure. But um but uh, currently one to four is what we're playtesting with because it's a little easier to manage and build prototypes. Is it difficult to get a, a game balance kinda right when you're going up to the fifth player? Because I've seen this quite I've seen this quite a regular basis where on on some campaigns now, um, on start, Kickstarter campaigns, where the fifth player is a you know like an addition or a stretch goal that we'll say we might bring in at a later day. So is that does that give a whole set of kind of balance issues? One should have um, I couldn't really I couldn't really say mm. um, because I haven't I haven't started to tackle those challenges yet. Ah right okay. Um, the game is built sort of that so that every player takes a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and the castle has a certain amount of time for you to beat it. So basically a certain number of player turns. So in theory, adding more players doesn't take away anything from the castle. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's merely theory. For me, it's just that you know um, building four-player characters takes this amount of time. Building five-player characters takes even yeah. more. Yeah. And I, my playtest team is four strong, so... I, um, you know, my core group that meets every week to advance the campaign is only four strong, so I am only working on four of them right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But twenty-five versions. I mean, how different? I mean, is there a vast difference between the kind of version ten up to version twenty-five? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're pretty different, and I've I've cataloged a couple of them on my blog. Mm. Um, So if you go and you look on there, you can see kind of how it's evolved over time. So it started out as like a pure choose-your-own-adventure. Uh-huh. story with like no real mechanics it was just almost rpg level and then we moved to having you know like a bunch of equipment loadouts and stuff and eventually it became like a like a gauntlet fighter where you just fought bosses and then made story choices and then we brought back the castle and then we decided to arrange the castle in a certain way and then we've arranged it in a different way and now it's arranged in a third different way and um you know, the games are kind of evolutionary in that sense, where every version relies on the version ahead of it. And so you really can't get to V25 until you do the other ones. But yeah. that's that's really more my design style, I think, because like Millennium Blades had 26, 27 different versions before we got the formula right. Um, Battlecon was about version 20. Exceed was like version 24. Um, so it takes me about about twenty tries to get a game right. It seems. <laughs> but um, see, do you ever take like say version ten and make that into a completely different game? And I mean, have you got you know version seventeen of Seventh Cross, and you've actually said, "Listen, I could develop this in a different direction, and this might turn into its own its own game." Does creating all these versions kind of give you other ideas that you can branch off and work on new ideas? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You you definitely you don't want to lose anything that you you build. No. Um, so I keep all those versions, and a lot of the time they do give you a good idea of how to move forward in some other direction. So like Exceed was um, you know started with a branch on Battlecon, um, or like um, what's an example um, for Millennium Blades? We had a couple of the concepts in Millennium Blades that we've pulled over into other games, uh, into other upcoming games. So. Like uh, there, are, like yeah, the these things are never lost. They're just stepping stones, and sometimes you 
you know, you go and pull them out of the river and use them on your next bridge. Absolutely. The things that we learned uh, from doing all of these different boss battle versions, I expect that we'll use in an upcoming game as well. So, you you must be a Castlevania fan. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. What's, what's your favorite Castlevania game then? Uh, that is kind of tough to say. Um, oh, putting you on the, the spot, man. You've got to answer. Yeah, I mean, for sentimental reasons, it'd have to be three because that's what I. Uh, well, actually, I'd say I'd say I'd say two. Two I played the most of in my youth. Yeah, um, I was a really big fan of two. Uh, three I got first, um, but I didn't like. I like to be able to save my game, and three didn't offer that, and two did. Um, so two, in that sense, feels very different than than one and three. Um, I gotta say four, four on the SNES. I yeah, say. I just didn't get that one. Like uh, I got my my SNES a little late, and uh, and so I didn't get to play four, and I didn't get to play Symphony either on the PlayStation. It's okay. Um, Neither have I. I've heard it's good, yeah. but I've not played it. It's supposed to be the best, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, um, the Game Boy ones, the DS ones are really good. I like um, I like Donosaurus. Donosaurus is really Circle one of my favorites. So yeah, yeah, I really um, like. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So which is that's why I'm excited about Seventh Cross because when you said I was when we first talked, it was like, yeah, I'm doing this game Seventh Cross. It's kind of like it's got Castlevania vibes. That it's like okay, where whenever you um, bring this out, I'll be I'll be sold. <laughs> you know, I'll be first in line. Oh yeah, outside in the sleeping bag because that is my. That's definitely my jam. Have you, um, as a, as an aside, have you caught the Netflix series, uh, series yet? The... I've started watching. I've started watching Castlevania on Netflix. I'm only like three or four episodes in. What do you think? Um, I think I think a lot of things. Um, I feel like uh, I, one of my one of my friends said that it's it's trying a little too hard to be an anime. Hmm. Um, like, and, and, it, and I kind of, I kind of agree and disagree with that. Hmm. Um, I mean, they, they kind of know what they're going for. Um, I think they might be playing it a little too hard. Um, but Castlevania's story was always pretty light, especially Castlevania three. Yeah, no. So, um, so I don't know how, I mean, the, everything, everything that happens kind of has to be added, um, you know, uh, beyond just the names of the characters. They have to develop um, a whole pile of lore from yeah, exactly. very little I mean, kind of working. There's a lot of kind of conjecture and kind of extrapolation yeah. from a couple of sentences of text in a game. So it'll now, be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, Castlevania does have a lot of lore. Like the chronology is huge, and all yeah. the games do connect in some way. But on an individual game by game basis, there's not always a lot of lore. It's like you know. Dracula appears, Trevor Belmont comes and kills him, he meets these three people on the trip, and you know, and then a hundred years pass. Like, that's kind of that's what normal, it is in the, yeah. yeah, in the canon. That's yeah, kind of what exactly. that, that episode is. Local blood, so it, local it's blood, yeah. It fleshed out. Yeah, well, local blood blank truck accidentally, you know, crashes into cemetery and spills its wares everywhere, and lo and behold, Dracula appears back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's like, that's Lords of Shadow too. Yeah, 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 that didn't, um, I don't think that reviewed very well. <laughs> I think, I think they didn't say it was a blood, I think they said it was more like a car crash than a blood bank truck crashing i guess it, it was uh I, I i haven't gotten very far in it um mm. i did i really like lords of shadow one yeah um 
but I haven't I haven't found the time to get deep into two. But I've played a lot of other Metroidvanias, um, you know, games in that genre. So I've just recently finished Ori. I've been playing uh, in our next podcast. We talk about playing Momodora. All right, okay. Um, I played Salt and Sanctuary recently. Um, you know, Hollow mm. Knight, Abyssal huh. City. Like, there's like so many games in this genre, and they all bring something new to the genre. So it's uh, yeah, it's really neat to see what you can what you can take and what you have to leave behind when you're doing a video game, uh, board game genre adaption. It's like all this talk of video games, it's almost like you've been working on your own little version of a video game, Brad. I'm working on a few. I'm working <laughs> on a few video games. How's the Pixel Tactics coming along? Pixel Tactics Online is coming along really well. We yeah. are going to have our first public demo at Gen Con this year. Oh, um, awesome. And we'll, yeah, we'll be hosting a public demo at BattleCon as well at the same time. Really? Yeah, and we have videos of both of those up on YouTube. So if you are listening here and you want to see Pixel Tactics or BattleCon Online in action, yeah, um, you can you can just Google for those and uh, see how they look. But they they've been coming along quite nicely. Are you really pleased with that? Are you really really kind I of am. excited? Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. Well, we. I mean, it's it's always been one of my. Um, I'd say one of my big failures um, that. Like two years ago, we we did a Kickstarter for BattleCon Online, and um, it was our first video game. You know, we had um, you know a, a small programming team. I was doing the graphic design and all the you know character balancing and programming and stuff. Um, like the database work mm. was all on me, and um, and we we worked at it and we worked at it, and it just wasn't coming together um, because none of us had ever done video games before. Uh, so late last year I got in touch with, or someone got in touch with me who was a professional developer and said, Hey, let's do pixel tactics online. <laughs> and I was skeptical, but I said, I said, okay, sure. Uh, you can have the contract do pixel tactics online. And he came back like a week later and he had this like really polished looking game. <laughs> <He'd done it. laughs> um, and I was like, well, crap. Um, I have other stuff I need you to do actually. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Uh, and so I got and started working on BattleCon online. Yeah, and um, that's uh, and so that's finally coming out uh, pretty soon. Like we finally got it together. Yeah. I got a professional graphic designer working for us now. Someone who does who that's their whole job, and it's not just me, you know, doing my best in Photoshop. <laughs> just, I know. Uh, try yeah, trying hard in Photoshop. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it's it's so so things have really uh, have really gotten to a professional level on our video game side. And I'm very excited about the video games we're going to be bringing out this year. Cool. So is that going to be another arm to it? Can you see, looking over your back catalogue, with everything that you've done in the past, are you kind of thinking, what can I transfer over to being kind of digital and what is kind of best left where it is? I mean, is that giving you another kind of whole area to explore? A little bit. Mm. I think that we are... I think that what we're probably going to do is use the adaptions as a launch point mm-hmm. to kind of get our names into the video game space and then once we're in the video game space we will produce some actual video games like we will bring the characters from Battlecon and we'll bring the characters from Millennium Blades and um, you know from Seventh Cross into a video game space in a video game way mm-hmm. um, such that you'll you know, you'll recognize these worlds and you'll be able to experience these through a new lens, you know, but if we do, if we do like, uh, you know, like a, you know, our own Metroidvania game, or if we do our own kind of action adventure game, 
um, using these characters, we can bring them to life in a different way than we have be, just on the tabletop. Yeah, I'd be kind of like tempted to... If you said I'm going to do a Castlevania, Metroidvania-type full game, I'd, you know, I'd probably definitely buy some, it. <laughs> we have some plans. We have some, we have some, uh, some design documents in the works. Yeah. yeah. For what we get, what we're gonna start talking about after we finish up these two projects. So have you now got a whole list of stuff that you've got to work on? I mean, is this, I mean, is this invigorated you? Well, you all, you're always invigorated. What am I talking about? I mean, I listen to you on your, your own, uh, the Level Cap podcast, plug, plug. I do listen to you. But you're always kind of invigorated and excited and full of kind of energy. So I don't know if you could really? get... Really? You know, we record that thing at like 8 a.m. right when I wake up in the morning. And, uh, <laughs> I don't always feel, I don't always feel invigorated, but, uh, I'm glad that you think so. Well, it kind of comes uh, across. I'm glad that I managed to pull that off. <laughs> Um, well, listen. Yeah, I've got Marco's I've, a great co-host. I've got no yeah, excuse. I've got it's, no excuse. We got a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, good. Good. We fun. have fun. Good fun. No, I think I, that's the main thing. Is that everybody? Everybody who's you know doing level nine and we have a lot of fun with what we're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 really what it's all about, right? Like like don't go to work if you're not going to enjoy yourself. I think um, yeah. I think there's. I see a lot of. I so I see a lot of people that look for their look towards their hobbies in order to kind of like make their day kind of better kind of sometimes and it's I feel for them you know um, yeah. I'm lucky I, I'm lucky I'm in, I kind of I enjoy my I enjoy my job um, mm-hmm. but that yeah. you know I'm, I'm one yeah, of the I lucky mean, work ones work is you know? work work is work I still gotta call a bunch of people and yeah. make shipments and deliveries and advertise and all this drudgery but uh, but I really I really enjoy the end products like I feel good about what I make yeah, and I yeah. think that's the uh, that's the most important thing. But in the moment, you're um, you're doing the second edition of Argent, the consortium. Yeah, yeah, we're working on Argent second printing. Um, just a few minor updates, a couple cards needed errata. We're going to upgrade the miniature production in the game, mm-hmm. so our miniatures are a little more modern. Yeah. Um, and uh, but other than that, the game is the same. This is a I guess for those who haven't seen, this is sort of a um, Harry Potter, the board game, like Harry Potter goes to college, the board game. Um, <laughs> okay. It's a magical university. Um, you are one of the, the headmasters or professors or deans at this school, and you're trying to become the chancellor through this vote. And in order to do that, you send your students, you know, your unpaid interns and students out into the board to uh, to mess with each other and to run errands for you. Um, and at the same time, you have a bunch of spells that you can cast to uh, to destroy parts of the university and upset people. Mm-hmm. You can spy on the voter board to learn what the criteria for victory are. You can um, uh, use you can get supporters. You can get treasures. Like you can really do a ton of stuff in this game. It's kind of sandboxy, um, but it's got a good structure and a good flow to it. So if you play traditional worker placement games. Um, it's just a little bit meaner and just a little bit more open-ended than what you're used to. Yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's not as dry as well because the theme, the the thing with a kind of a Euro game is the the theme can be sometimes a little bit kind of dry, and the artwork on this is um, the artwork and the theme seems a little bit more alive. We try. I guess. We try. No, yeah, that's good. You know, it, it we we got a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun to build the theme and to build the characters for this this game. Um, and uh, yeah, No Comento, the lead artist, did a great job. Uh, Jennifer did a really great job on the environments. 
Um, and Trey, the designer, has been working on all kinds of uh, of different uh, upgrades and accessories and balancing, and uh, he's just great to work with. Like uh, all of the team that did this game is spectacular, and it's been it's been one of our most fun projects to date. Certainly, our most complex project uh, to date in terms of all the components in the box. Like this is a really big game. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's uh, was it about hundred is a hundred dollar pledge for the for the main game. For the main game and expansion. It's only 60 for the main game. So oh, if you just funny. want to play Argent, $60. And um, free shipping in the EU. For Yeah, how there. did you manage that? Um, <laughs> mainly mainly just through, um, you know, the uh, like working with companies in Britain to, uh, to do the shipping with us. Yeah. Um, and since we... We we set a certain amount of the pledge for shipping. So, like when you when you pledge, actually only like thirty eight thirty nine dollars of that goes to the game. The rest is shipping. Yeah. So, um, so it's I mean, so basically your shipping is included in the sixty dollars, um, and it's how we we have calculated all that out. That's um, that's really really good because there seems to be um, yeah. there seems to be a kind of a. A, a kind of a not a fashion, but it seems to be growing in popularity that the shipping seems to be something that's charged after after the event yeah. when the pledge manager comes out. And I think well, that with with Argent we have an advantage because we know how much the game weighs. <laughs> exactly. And um and so yeah, but but with uh, and we also know what our stretch goals are and that they don't add weight. And but with a lot of these projects like these big miniature games. Um, they don't know how many miniatures they're going to be putting in the box at the end of the project because the stretch goals might go crazy and the box ends up being, you know, like 10 kilos instead of four. Yeah. Um, and that really affects your shipping. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so they kind of have to by nature of the way that Kickstarter works. Um, but we have, you know, we have a very tight product. Like this is exactly what it is and we mm. know that. So we know exactly how much this game weighs and how, um, and we can get quotes based on how how much it weighs and how big it is, and we can be, you know, hundred percent sure that it's not going to cost extra when the time comes, unless the rates go up. But um, I will tell you this: like yeah. shipping that game is like twice the production price, and I think that's pretty true for most games. Like, yeah, no, yeah. If you get a hundred dollar game, it probably costs them, you know, twenty dollars to make and forty dollars to ship because shipping is. Uh, is a much larger expense than the price of actually producing the box goods in China. Yeah, and there's a lot of pressure to kind of keep to give the impression that the shipping that you're shipping it for is as low as you possibly can. But it can lead with confusion with other people, you know, telling the truth and say, "Look, it's twenty five dollars to ship this game," and I know the the, the Kickstarter itself is like it's thirty thirty dollars yeah. for the base game. So and I, it, yeah, no. so if I took this game and I shipped it to you from America, it's like it's like sixty bucks for me to yeah. get it to you. Yeah. Um, but if I ship it from within England, it's like 15 bucks, but it's still going to cost me $10,000 to get that pallet of games <laughs> to England. So I got to make sure that there are, you know, at least 200 people in that region that want it. And that's the main predictor of, mm. of this is, you know, you have to, you have to make assumptions about how many people in each zone want your game. And have so. you, have you had, um, have you had a reasonable amount of take up on the um have you had a reasonable amount of take up on the upgrade because it's you you offer the upgrade within the campaign for people that have got the first edition 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people who you know who were in for the first edition of Argent are back for the second edition. That's um, good. And want to get the new miniatures. Yeah. Um, they want to get the the upgrade cards and stuff, and uh, everybody wants something different. You know, like a bunch of people are like, "Hey, can we get just the updated rulebook?" And uh, a bunch of people are like, "Hey, can we get the new box?" Yeah. And a bunch of people are like, "Hey, can we get you know um, like metal coins for all this?" And um, you know, or like, I only need you know five upgraded bases and not all forty. Um, everybody wants something a little different, and uh, you know, you try to do what you can, mm-hmm. but. Um, like when you when you mass produce things and you box them up in uh, overseas, you know, like we take all these all these pledges, all the thing combinations of things people want, and we send those to the factory, and they're boxed up in the factory. So when a box goes from China over to England, uh, you we it already has your name on it from the factory in China. Um, so, so there's a lot of logistical coordination that goes into this kind of stuff. Yeah. And the more different varieties of box that we ask them to pack, uh-huh. the likelihood of errors, you know, compounds with itself. It's like compound interest, interest, but with, uh, <laughs> but with the probability of, uh, you know, of um, entropy in our in our production process. Yeah, yeah. Are you um, are you tempted to then kind of offer those for sale off the site at a later? You know, at a later basis, and you know, for folk that say I just want the I, base, or you know, is that cross your mind? Yeah, I was once upon a time. Yeah, um, and I got into a lot of trouble for it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, like when we did uh, when we did the old Battlecon Devastation campaign. Yeah. Um, those projects. We we were like, oh, we'll just offer all this stuff extra, and so we ordered a bunch of overs from our factory and just kept them in our warehouse, and we let people order them. And uh, it turns out that the people who mention that kind of thing on Kickstarter are the only people that actually want it. Um, and so once you serve those two or three people who want some kind of special exception, uh, there's not anybody else that knows or cares. Yeah, so you end up with a pile so, of stock in there. Yeah, in the so we ended up yeah. with a lot of piles of stuff that just had to be thrown away when we moved out of that warehouse. That's not. Um, yeah, not it was kind of. Yeah, I remember throwing boxes of boxes of spare cards into that dumpster, and oh, man. you know, kind of shedding a tear from each box. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was kind of tragic, you know, because I knew how much that stuff costed, and I knew what I'd planned for it to mm, be yeah. used for, and I knew, you know, like I, you know, I had these big expectations for how we were gonna, you know, take care of all these cool custom orders and. Uh, now we just ended up throwing away a lot of paper, you know. There's there's a dead tree out there somewhere because we over we over anticipated the demand, and uh, I was not proud of that. But yeah, but yeah, you can't know, can you? I mean, it's the it's the old thing about the you know the the kind of the, you'll get the silent majority and then you get the very noisy minority, and if you feel that kind of pressure to go yeah. out and kind of serve them. Then how are you meant to guess? Is it going to be twenty units? Is it going to be five hundred units? I mean, you get. I think that yeah. Uh, yeah, as a creator, you just have to have confidence in the product you're offering. Yeah. And because I mean, people make suggestions for the sake of making suggestions. A lot of times, like they just want to be part of it, and the way yeah. to be part of it is to say, like, "Hey, can we do this?" And um, but you know, like that's and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with no. with, with saying those things. But as a creator, you have to say. You have to to really think about the real ramifications of each thing that you do, and you have to be willing to say like like no, that's just not within you know what's reasonable for the project or what's reasonable for the budget. Yeah, yeah, no, no, um, it doesn't you know it doesn't make a reasonable product. No, well, I and, mean, um, Aaron yeah. West has had to do that quite recently. He's um, running 
Catacombs Conquest. And after running Catacombs and Castles, when he offered Catacombs 3rd Edition, he got a massive uptake on it. And now he's offering Catacombs Conquest, which is just like... It's another Kickstarter. He's, it's a smaller version of Catacombs. It's a much more dense. It's meant to be easier to get on. He's still getting people shout, you know, not shouting in the comments, but politely asking, will, will they be able to order Catacombs third edition? And he's had to say, well, I'm going to have to say no. It is going to, we're going to get stuff shipped out to retail when we can, but I can't just, there's no magic switch I can flick just to make, and it'll be the same, you know, no magic sl- switch for, you ten people to get a copy of this game because logistically yeah. it's kind of it's kind of impossible. Yeah, well, like I mean, yeah, you know, with all add-ons, like when you when you do these zones and you ship a giant pallet to Europe, and then you want to, someone's like, well, hey, I need to get like this playmat. Well, the playmat was printed two years ago, and it's sitting in a warehouse in America, mm-hmm. so it's gonna it's just gonna have to pay full shipping on it, separate from anything you're getting shipped from within Europe. Um, you know, but people, but pe- I mean, people don't know all this stuff, and it's not really their job to know all this stuff. No. But when a creator says like, like, oh, it's really not feasible for us to do that, you know, g- give them, give them the benefit of the doubt, please. <laughs> yeah, that's all exactly. I'm, all I'm saying here. But that's, 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 that's a lot of logistics. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the the minutia of it because it's it's the most tedious part of the job. <laughs> um, it's also the place where you can shoot yourself in the foot and crash your entire business. Yeah. Um, and that's almost happened to me before too. Yeah, was so that when you were very um, careful? Was that when your yeah. um, games got stuck at um, customs, I think, or in storage? Uh, a yeah. lot of that, yeah, a lot, yeah, things got stuck at customs. And actually, the f- very first BattleCon project I did, um, we offered shipping that was like we offered like ten dollars shipping to Europe, but we didn't have freight to Europe. We shipped it, you know, like U.S. priority. <laughs> um, so it actually every oh every time somebody bought like a thirty. Like a like a twenty five dollar copy of the game with ten dollars of shipping, we were paying forty to send it to them. Wow! Um, and uh, yeah, we only we lost we lost like fifteen thousand dollars on our first Kickstarter project, and it was uh, that was crazy. It was uh, it was a rough time there too. Um, I'm pretty bad at learning my lessons. Really. <laughs> um, it seems like there's always there's always a new challenge. Yeah. Like, if you ever read my, you know, like where it says risks and challenges on Kickstarter, I don't yeah. know if anybody ever actually reads those but um mine are always like uh like hey just so you know there's something that's gonna go wrong and we have no (laughs) idea what it is these are the things that have gone wrong in the past and we're gonna count for those but something new will happen Uh. um and the best we can promise is that you will get your games at some point in the future we absolutely promise that um but you know uh, beyond everything else you know stuff's gonna happen Uh. and uh and and we hope that you'll trust us to deal with it. Um, who is it? And we've um, dealt with it. We always deal with it, but who, yeah. but things happen. Who is it that um, their factory, the factory of the warehouse, burnt down and they lost all their Kickstarter board games? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I don't know about that one. Um, it was on. I remember that? I was scouring through Reddit. I was scouring through Reddit our board game or something because somebody said, "Oh, somebody's posted your interview that you've done with Jamie Stegmeier on Reddit," and I was like, "Really?" and I went and had a look and I was like, "Ooh, internet famous!" And there was this thing that said awesome. this these copies of these um, board games, all the Kickstarter pledges had just burned in this warehouse, and they weren't sure what was going on. I was like, "What an absolute, what an absolute nightmare!" I mean, how do you well, build? That's not. I mean, that's it's bad. Yeah. But that only set you back like two months. It, yeah, I suppose. The real problem is if you don't have insurance, and then you're, you're in real trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah. you know, our warehouses carry insurance. By the way, in case you're you know, Kickstarter, <laughs> out, yeah. By the way, risk to challenges. Yes, our warehouses all carry insurance. You just um, go back and, and our edit. boats. Yes. <laughs> um, edit the but, Kickstarter. Uh, no. Just go back. Yeah. yeah, everything's. I mean, fine. the biggest the biggest risk with Kickstarter is mismanagement. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, I think that we have. Uh, I. I regret to say it, but we have overcome mismanagement as well in my hands. Um, but we managed to make it through. I'm not. I'm not. I haven't. I don't have a perfect record either. But uh, but we have always delivered um, our projects sooner or later. Yeah. So we're getting better and better. Yeah. Well, I think that. Yeah, I think that my weakness is that I always. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to put the project up, and I underestimate how long it's going to take to do all the art. So like when we did Argent the first time around, yeah. I was like, oh, we got all this art, let's do it. And then we did it, and then through the game we did stretch goals, and the stretch goals added like five months of art time. And so the game <laughs> yeah. came in like four months, four or five months late, and everyone's like, where's my copy of Argent? And, um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, the artist had to like, you know, we, like we, had, we had a lot of time on the artist, and then the artist's grandmother got sick and had to go visit them across the country. And, you know, like, it, like there were just all these things that happened. And you can't really account for that. The only accounting for it is to have the game finished first. So what or, about... Or um, to just make people understand that stretch goals add time to your projected delivery date. I'm involved in a campaign that was meant to be delivered two years ago now, and the reason it hasn't been delivered was because the person said that um, if you um, if you pledge something silly like about £5 or $5 above the the normal base game, you'll get your image in the game. And I don't think they realised that everybody just went, well, it's an extra five, five pounds, that's nothing. So <laughs> they ended up... Um, and then that's it's just the same thing. The artist kind of couldn't keep yeah, up and yeah exactly 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 <laughs> um imperial please tell me about imperial steam i want to know yeah so imperial is going to be our first train game from level 99 um this is designed by trey chambers the same designer as argent it is illustrated by Nocomento, the same illustrator as Argent. So we're kind of reuniting that dream team mm-hmm. um and uh and bringing this game out um Imperial takes place in the same world as Argent, um, a little bit in the future, in the kind of dawn of the industrial age. Um, and so you are trying to connect two sides of the continent um, with uh, train stations coming from Argent all the way over to Imperial City, the capital of the uh, of the western side of, of the world. So, um, so you're building this transcontinental railroad. You are uh, branching out to acquire all these resources. The neat thing about Imperial is that it is train building with spells. So as you um, as you build your company, you acquire resources, and these resources come with uh, with spells, which are kind of like your technology developments. And mm. so they let you build over new terrain types. They let you um, you know transfer goods more easily. They let you um, uh, set down like corruption and blockages and like wastelands to trip up your opponents. You can, uh, you are kind of building this, uh, sort of, uh, I guess I'd say it's kind of like a Manhattan project sort of engine where you have, uh, your mana deploys onto your spells to activate those different actions and then it gets recalled back onto your board. 
to um, to uh, reset your engine again when it's time to uh, to pull everything back. Mm-hmm. And so there's sort of this ebb and flow to it. You're trying to uh, branch out to reach as many of these high dollar resources as you can, and then yeah. find, connect those to cities that want to uh, acquire them. And once you manage to deliver the resource to the city, you get um, also technology upgrades that will improve your efficiency at rail building, improve your um, your the uh, output of your engine, and um, also give you more victory points at the end of the game. So the um, you know, but there's a lot of choices to make. Do you want to the resources have different uh, different rarity values and dollar values. So, you know, I can connect this blue resource to this city, um, but you know, this is a cheap version. This is like a, a you know a low quality version of the resource. And if I go a few more tiles, there's a high quality version that'll give me more VPs. Um, you know, and this city has you know a kind of minor demand for it, but this city over here, a few tiles away, has a major demand for it. Do I want to race for the big city, or yeah. do I take the small city because doing the delivery quickly and earlier will give me more technology, which means I can reach the, the more expensive resource in the more expensive city later. But then somebody else might take the demand before I get there. You know, the kind of traditional train game problems yeah. cast in this sort of spell engine. Uh, template. So it's lit risk reward then. There's a lot of risk yes. reward to it. It's about stretching, potentially yeah. overstretching your means. Everything, everything in this game is a race in one way or another. Whether you're racing for the resources, or mm. for the demand, or for the technologies, or for the end of the game, or for the spells, like everything, you're going to have to make a decision. Like, what can I afford? What can I get right now? What's yeah. worth getting right now? And what can I? Um, what do I need to take before somebody else takes it first? So is it miniatures? Is it cards? Is it, you know, a bit of deck building in there? How's it kind of... It is... It's tableau building. Mm-hmm. So um, there, are, there, are, there are cards, but not like a giant amount of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are going to be little miniature trains. Um, and the miniature trains are super cool. We're, we're very excited about these. Um, because they're not just going to be like standard trains. This is a magic world. And so we've got magical trains... Um, like there are, there's a demon faction, and they have these transparent ghost trains. There is a dryad faction, and they have like their trains are actually caterpillars with gondolas on the back. These <laughs> giant caterpillars that wander around, um, and all sorts of stuff like that. So we're really excited about the different train models that we're going to get to do. Sorry, I, I just remember you talking on the one of the recent um, podcasts about how do you get ghost trains? <laughs> Are they oh, yeah. are they kind of trains that are built by ghosts, or are they <coughs> trains that have died and are now ghosts? Kind of thing. <laughs> just remember that. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Did you I, ever I guess I'll have to call the lore? Yeah. <laughs> You need to work that out if you're going to do like a lore podcast. If you're going to do like your character of the week, you could better get this sorted out. Oh yeah, I gotta explain. I'll have to explain my ghost trains. Or you can just say, "Well, it is because it is." Okay, I don't know. They just turned up one day, and we didn't want to tell them to go because the last thing you want to tell to go is a ghost train because it's a train and it's also a ghost kind of thing. Have you got um? Have you got time to actually play any games yourself then? Is there anything that you've been kind of getting to the table kind of recently uh, at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. I um, I recently, well, I play video games every week for our podcast. Yeah. So recently I got to play Pyre. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, that's on this episode, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Yeah. that's 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 last week's episode. And yeah. Most recently um, I played uh, Go Nuts for Donuts, um, the <laughs> new Game Right game. Um, 
I actually really enjoyed this one. Like, I like Sushi Go. Yeah. Um, I think this was a little more interesting than Sushi Go. Okay. Um, especially if you speed play it. Um, so, like, they tell you, like, wait till everybody's got their card down on the table. Um, but we play it speed style, where as soon as the first player places their card, they count to three. And if you don't have a card down, you don't have a card down by All then. All right, okay. Um, and that makes it quite a lot of fun. Um, so we re- I enjoyed that one. Um, we played Cthulhu Wars recently. What do you um, think of that then? I I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's a good game. I still have not been able to make the uh, like the opener of ways work for me. The Yogg-Sothoth faction. Uh-huh. I've played them twice now, and I've I've ruined it both times. Like the uh, you know the the Black Goat faction uh, absolutely ran away with it, and then the uh, the um, what's it the uh, Ithaqua faction completely dominated me in the previous game. So I still haven't figured out how to make them work. Um, but, uh, but I've enjoyed the gameplay quite a lot. I think the gameplay is, is quite good. Um, and it's a nice twist on the, uh, you know, the, the risk mechanics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's, I think it's cool. I, I don't know if I recommend you buy it, but I recommend you find a friend who has it and uh, play right, it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Is, yeah. You know, there's it's games. Quite, it's quite yeah, expensive. No, there is games like that. I mean, um, Clank for me. Clank, if anybody bought Clank to the club, I'd be one of the ones that'd be straight on it. But I'm not sure if I would buy it, and I don't know why. I, it's kind of, yeah. I do enjoy playing it, but I've still, it's, it's not tipped me completely over the line in terms of how much fun I'm having fun with it, but I'm not kind of saying I need to have this game in my life kind of all the, kind of all the time. Yeah. I um, really enjoyed Clank, but I haven't gotten to play it multiple times yet. I need to play a few more and, and, form a real opinion about it but i enjoyed yeah. the time i played it yeah quite quite fun yeah it's good the trouble is that over here again it's like getting hen's teeth it's really difficult to get hold of so when you're looking at a game that you would normally expect to pay maybe 45 dollars 50 dollars for and it's up at 60 70 dollars instead then mm-hmm. you're kind of like mm, okay i'm not sure it's like um <clears throat> terraforming mars at the moment mm-hmm. which everybody seems to say terraforming mars is it is the best game I've ever played. And then I get other people... It's good. It's yeah. good. I wouldn't say the, the best game I've ever played, but it's it's fun. Yeah. I've said I've had people that said, yeah, it's okay, but then the components kind of let it down. They kind of felt that... Eh, mm. I mean, it's it's definitely... I would say it's... it's uh, it's The components are dry. The game is not dry, but the components are very dry. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, water, it's a cube. Oh, you know, like biomass, it's also a cube. Yeah. Well, what about power, electricity? Yeah, that's a cube. Um, so, Well, maybe that's, that's how you, you know, you, you move stuff about in the space age. You know, who are we? Yeah. Who are we it's to judge? I mean, it is all cubes. You know, it makes it easier to stack in the cupboards. You can always give it to your kids to play with if they're bored when they're young and they're toddlers. I mean, and, yeah, and, yeah, like like son, take this, take this heat radiation energy. <laughs> exactly. You know, eight of these, eight of these will will raise the entire planet by one degree. But um, exactly. you know, just just have fun with that. Exactly. Where did you leave Jake? He's playing with a uranium. He's he's yeah. fine. He's chewing on it. He's he's it's it's all right. He's going to lose those teeth anyway. It's in the it's in the cube. Don't worry. <laughs> Can't hurt him. <laughs> is there anything you're kind of looking forward to um, yourself, and that kind of the that are going to be coming out soon? Or are you just focusing on on getting everything together yourself? Uh, I'm always the most excited about my own games coming out. <laughs> um, not not necessarily because I I have any particular um, you know uh, what's the word. Um, Mainly, I just want to play them. Like, I really want to play Exceed Season 2. 
Uh, yeah. I really want to play Trials. Um, I really want to play Seventh Cross. So I'm excited about those coming out. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I tend to get excited about our own releases more than I do about the rest of the world. Yeah. What they're coming out with. I'm, I must admit, I think, um, Seventh, for me, Seventh Cross is kind of like, I kind of, that one. I mean, there's several others. I've mentioned them all before, you know, the big, uh, the big C, C word from, from Jamie Stegmeyer that's coming out. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. That's one, um. Wasteland Express Delivery Service is another one. Um, I'm, I've been listening to a lot of what you've been saying about Imperial Steam and also, as I said, Seventh Cross. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on kind of on kind of that. Have you? I mean, you are you looking at other kind of genres within the kind of the board game space? I mean, traditionally you've done. There's been a lot of kind of like there's the card games, there's the big box games. With you doing Seventh Cross, is this you kind of going into more minis? Are you just exploring well, what else is out there, kind of now? I would say I would say Seventh Cross is a game with minis. It's primarily entering the cooperative space, yeah, like, yeah, um, and the adventure game space. Like it's a it's a real heavy thematic. Um, I think in the coming you know in the coming years we're going to try and explore more new genres that we're not part of. Like Imperial, we're trying to break into train games. Yeah. With that. Um, I think we'll look for other opportunities to do um, to do sorts of games like that. Um, we've got one coming out uh, called I Can't Even, which is sort of like, it's kind of like that Go Nuts for Donuts, where it's like a, a straightforward game right level of game. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's got a little bit more for gamers who, um, you know, who want to have some, some strategic decisions to make and such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are, you know, we're kind of trying to just expand into places we haven't been yet we want to try new genres and we want to uh you know build out and see what our style of gaming can bring to these other these other genres so yeah i'd love to see a mars type thing from you guys i think that would be cool <laughs> just yeah I'd, you know some of kind of resource management um you know i know you've obviously um you've got argent but you know something quite a dry i'd like i'd love to see somebody take like a really really dry type euro and throw the kind of the art and the style that you guys would throw at it just to see what it would be like why are you making that noise are you you, you oh okay don't do that because you know I'll give what? it some thought i'll give it some thought <laughs> yeah you've got something in the background you, I'm imagining you at the moment. You've got your pipe in your hand, and you've got your mouth. You're like, hmm. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, just going through the shelf, like looking at ideas. Don't something be, like don't, that. No. Do you know what happened? Like the last the episode I just released, I had Henry Jasper from Grubbling Games who said, "Yeah, we've got three games coming out next year," and then he says, "I'm not going to tell you what they are." And I was just like, "What?" <laughs> just you know. <laughs> That's good, like, oh. good, good publicity right there. <laughs> no, it's all it is is I've just said, right, Henry, you got to come back on then. You got to come back yeah. on, Henry, and, 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 and kind of. Um, uh, maybe I should keep some secrets too. I, you know, I think you know, whisper all the secrets to me. Just, just you and me, just now. Just whisper, a, just whisper a couple. I'll, I'll edit them out. I'll tell you. I'll, one, one, call me back once. Uh, once Pixel Tactics is out, I'll tell you about our, our Metroidvania plans. Oh, really? For, for our next video game. Oh, we're just going to do a video game. I think we should just do. We're going to do a video game app special. I think because um, <laughs> no, we had um, we had Tim Fowers on, and he was doing um, Burgle Brothers, the app oh, for that, yeah. which and and also uh, there was Paperback as well, which is 
And those are just a lot of fun. Paperback is such fun, and Burgle Brothers is just yeah. outstanding. Crime thing. Everybody's doing crime. Are you doing a heist game? Um, oh, don't. I shouldn't say at this time. <laughs> I, you might be able to see it, but I couldn't possibly comment. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, if people have listened and they're wondering where they can find you on the internet webs places, where can they find you online? Mr. Uh, so the best place to find us is level99games.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have an official Discord server, um, which if you go to uh, that page and you check out either Battlecon or Exceed or Pixel Tactics, there's a button that's like, join the online community. You click that and it'll take you to our Discord server. And then you can hang out with all of us live and uh, chat and ask questions and everything. All right, okay. Cool. And you're in the normal places like your uh, Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and people can find you on there. And I'll just make sure that... Uh, all the links from that are in the on the show notes, so we have some notes to show. Yeah, um, and a final plug for our podcast: we do the Level Cap podcast every Wednesday. Uh, you just visit our blog and uh, check it out. Same same website. You can uh, listen to me and Marco uh, insult each other back and forth. It's for not 30 that minutes insulting. every day. It's not that or every bad. every week. It's good fun though. You take it's you, good fun. You'll it's take a, a character fun. from the. One of the characters from one of the games in the universe, and you'll have a chat about it. And you talk, you talk a game of the week from the game club. Um, you do a whole pile of other things, and it's all all good fun. And it's not doesn't overstay its welcome as well. It's all high energy and just a good laugh. It's very very no, good. We stuff. try we try to we try to keep it uh, keep it entertaining for you guys. Yeah, and it's very very good. Um, if you want to keep an eye on us, uh, you can search We're Not Wizards. You will find us everywhere from Instagram to Facebook to Twitter to go on to our website and you'll find us on we'renotwizards.com. We are also on YouTube if you search for We're Not Wizards, uh, tabletop podcast and our, all our podcasts seem to get automatically uploaded to YouTube now because of the wonders of our Podbean, uh, hosting service. Um, we're also on Instagram, we're on Spreaker and Stitcher and all the other beautiful places. Um, if you like what you've heard today, then please, f- please jump onto iTunes and throw us a subscription. If you go and listen to 99 Game Level, um, the Level Cap podcast as well and you like what you hear, go and drop them a subscription as well on iTunes. Yeah. And, and if you like what you hear, um, drop us a review as well. Um, and as we say, you know, um, if you feel we're doing well, um, don't give us a 10 because that'll make us too big-headed and don't give us a 1 because that'll make us cry. But give us a 5. <laughs> you asked for a 5. That's, that's average. The, uh, that's average. I've not, heard, no, I've not heard that before. Brad, that's average. Um, <laughs> we, and we, are, we, <laughs> we strive for mediocrity. <laughs> we are very, very average. You know, it's a 5 on iTunes. <laughs> so, you know, you might as well meet everybody halfway. But obviously, if you listen to... Um, to Brad's um, podcast and make sure you give him a five as well because we're all friends together. Give him a four. Give him a four. Um, <laughs> all right. No, all that's right. fine. Give him a five. No, no. <laughs> um, listen, this has been a lot of fun as always. I'm kind of, it's always good to have you on because it's your energy always, and your enthusiasm and your passion is always fantastic. So, yeah. um, well, I hope we can, uh, we can catch up again sometime. Well, we're gonna have uh, to talk what happens. Play a game of Pixel Tactics online. Yes, absolutely. 
we shall definitely do that and we'll need to catch up when there's more stuff that comes out about Seventh Cross and Imperial Steam and we'll have a bigger chat and what else is coming out with your crime thingy drama terraforming Mars type card battle game <laughs> whenever that comes we'll, out we'll have some fun stuff to tell you about next year yeah okay that's good that's good um, no but in all seriousness listen thank you for coming on Brad um, as I say it's yeah. always a pleasure to have you on um, and there's only two more things to do and the first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards not not wizards we're definitely not wizards those guys at Argent, they're the wizards. We're yeah, the wizards. yeah, yeah. They can stay in their little building where they're little chasing the chancellor and getting spells and stuff. <laughs> we'll be out on trains, or we'll be out fighting vampires. That's what we'll be doing. Um, and the second thing to do is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the wonderful, the fantastic, the I'm just uh, ridiculously yeah, talented. Now you're like Marco. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Brad. Brad. Goodbye from just Brad. Say goodbye from just Brad. Say goodbye, just Brad. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye and happy gaming, happy, as always. As always. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe for all sixes. Um, check out Argent because there will be um, links in the show notes and have a look at the campaign. It's very, very interesting indeed. But until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>